Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk to share with you today. Many Christians today are unaware of the debates and discussions that went on for many years in the early church. We take our understanding of Christ for granted now, but many earnest people fought long and hard over the question of just who is this man called Jesus? Some believed he was just a man who was greatly used by God. Others believed he was more than a man, that he was both man and God. It was they who finally won the day. In the 20th century, there was also much dissension among theologians about the real identity of Christ. This was called the modernist fundamentalist controversy. When I was growing up, the divinity of Christ was strongly emphasized, sometimes to the detriment of seeing Jesus as a real man. He was indeed both. He couldn't have accomplished his mission to redeem the world if he had not been a real man, but that is a topic for another day. Jesus was a man not just physically, but socially as well. Luke affirms this after the incident when Jesus was 12, when he got separated from his mother and father in Jerusalem. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. The adult life of Jesus for us is mostly about his miracles, his teachings, his controversies with the religious leaders of his day, and of course his atoning death and resurrection, which was why he came to earth in the first place. But as a real man, Jesus in many ways lived as other men. One of the aspects of being human is having friends. While we all see Jesus as our friend, there were people in his life on earth that he was closer to than he was to the multitudes that often crowded around him. In the little village of Bethany, which was about two miles east of Jerusalem on the road to Jericho, lived two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Their home became a favorite resting place for Jesus Christ. Luke gives us a brief vignette of this relationship in chapter 10. It's short enough for me to read to you. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I am not going to risk getting in trouble with my lady listeners by talking too much about Martha. Most homemakers can relate to her. Any woman who has had children knows what it's like to have to do all the work. I'll say more about Martha in a bit, though. Obviously, Jesus commended Mary for her desire to sit before him and hear his words. As a side note, we should point out that 
In their culture, at a gathering like this, the men and women would be in different rooms. The men would sit together and discuss theology, the Torah, and like subjects. The women would be apart from them, fellowshipping with each other. But Jesus allowed Mary to be with him as he talked about the things of his heavenly Father, and she obviously loved it. I don't have time to go into much detail about the death and the raising of Mary's brother Lazarus. I'm sure most of you know the story. One of the details that is striking to me is the fact that Martha came out to meet Jesus when he finally arrived in their village four days after Lazarus was dead. Mary didn't come. John doesn't tell us why, but I have speculated that Mary was hurt that Jesus had not come sooner. She loved Jesus very much, and she knew that he loved her and Martha and Lazarus. She expected him to immediately come and heal her brother when he heard Lazarus was sick. I don't know, but it was Martha to whom Jesus said those wonderful words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. The next time we meet Mary is at another feast in Bethany, given in Jesus's honor. She does a striking thing at this meal. She brings a very expensive ointment and pours it out on the feet of Jesus and then wipes his feet with her hair. She was criticized by Judas for this extravagance. He was wanting the ointment to be sold instead and the proceeds put into the disciples' money bag for which he was responsible. Then he would be able to steal some of it. But Jesus strongly defended Mary's actions. Leave her alone, he said, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. And Matthew adds these words, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Mary's gift was very extravagant. Apparently, it was worth a year's wages of the average worker. That's some fancy perfume. Perhaps Mary was saving that for her wedding. I don't know, but I do know that it was not a run-of-the-mill present. And yet she poured it all out on the feet of Jesus Christ. Why? Mary, unlike most of the others, saw who this man Jesus really was. She had appreciated his teaching, and then she had seen him raise her brother from the grave after four days. That amazing miracle revealed to Mary that this was not just some itinerant rabbi, but the Holy Son of God. She not only recognized his identity, but she loved him supremely. What was it about Mary that caused her to appreciate the words of Jesus as she did? It's interesting that the learned leaders of this very religious nation didn't get Jesus, but this woman did. It's just another of those reversals of the way things were supposed to be that characterized the coming of Christ into this world. Can I ask you a question that may seem obvious or glib, but that I think is vital? What does Jesus mean to you?
How do your daily choices reveal your real feelings about him? Here's another way to think about that. Do you serve and worship Christ with extravagance? You may respond, well, I'm not rich as Mary apparently was. You don't have to be rich in order to be extravagant in your worship. Jesus wasn't interested in the monetary value of the gift, but in the heart behind it. All of us have treasures. Most of these can't be valued in terms of dollars and cents. You have your time, you have your goals, your interests, your earthly loves. Are you willing to give it all to him? Jesus gave all for you. Mary somehow understood that even before the cross, but because Jesus said about her action, in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. May God give us the grace to pour out our greatest treasures for him. Precious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you gave the best that heaven could offer, your one and only Son. You gave him for us because of your love for us, that he might suffer and bleed and die at Calvary and then rise again the third day so that we might be saved. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us to see what a great gift we have been given. And then in return, to give ourselves extravagantly, to pour out our lives, our everything for the Lord Jesus Christ as he poured out his life for us. Lord, I ask this in his precious name, the name of Jesus. Amen. My precious friend, there are some of us in the Connecticut, New York area that are seeking to give ourselves to establish a sort of an outpost for the gospel there in the name of Jesus to gl- glorify and honor him. Uh, we call our group uh, the Bread of Life Anglican Church. We meet Sundays at 10 o'clock at uh, the American Legion Hall, which is located at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. If you uh, live in that area, if you're in the area, you don't have a church home, we would love to meet you. Sundays, 10 a.m., 1809 Union Street. As always, you may reach me by email at father.danjones@outlook.com. at outlook.com. May God richly bless you.